But we're in a series that we've entitled Gravitate. And, and the idea is this. So all of our lives at any given moment are moving toward, look at me, your life is moving toward something. Your life is never stagnant, all right? It's always moving toward, gravitating toward something. The question is, watch, what is your life gravitating toward? What is your life moving toward? The problem that a lot of people have today, matter of fact, the problem that people have today, I'm telling you, whatever issue you're facing, whatever it might be, when lives are unraveling, things are falling apart, it always goes, goes back to the fact that lives are gravitating toward things that are not gravitate-worthy that you are allowing your life to be pulled in the direction of something that is not worthy of your life moving in that direction. So here's the question today that we have been wrestling with in this series is, what is your life gravitating toward? What are you moving toward? Whatever you're moving toward is going to shape you. Come on. So like if, if you gravitate toward money, then you will make all your decisions based around money, right? You don't ask yourself, is it good for me? Is it is it wise? Is it healthy? Does it make me more money? Like in your life, just all, if it's all about, you know, your, your career and, and, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, you don't ask if it, is it good for the family. You don't ask, is this the, an important part of my child's life? What you do? Does it further my career, right? And your life gravitates toward things that actually look good up front, but actually end up being very unhealthy because they become the big deal in your life. And I'm telling you, friends, right now, if you make a big deal out of anything in your life, other than God, your life will start gravitating toward things other than God. And I'm telling you right now, come on, your life is not meant to orbit around anything other than God. Amen? And so that's the problem today, is people's lives are, are, are in orbit around, see, gravity pulls you into an orbit around something, right? The moon is held in, in, in orbit because there's gravity of the earth is pulling it back. Your life right now is beginning right now to orbit around something. If you have the wrong thing, then you're in the wrong orbit. And there's lives today, I don't know what's wrong. You know? And they thought they picked the right thing. They thought they were pulling in the right direction. But it's not, if God's not at the center of what you're pulling toward, you're pulling toward the wrong thing. And there's, that is free counseling right there. That is so good. I'm telling you, every time I sit down with somebody, and their life just, it's just, I'm going, I'm asking myself the question, what are they gravitating toward? I'll tell you right now what you're gravitating toward. It's whatever you make the biggest deal of. If you make the biggest deal of money, you make the biggest deal of vocation, you make the biggest deal of whatever it is that you make the biggest deal of, your life will ultimately gravitate toward that thing. Your life, my life is designed to gravitate Godward to move Godward, to, to everything in me starts to trend toward him, pull toward him, move toward him. Can I get a better amen, right? That's where our lives are meant to be. So here's the question. How on earth do I get my life to gravitate Godward, to move Godward? Here's how you do it. Instead of making a big deal of all the things you've been making a big deal of, you make a big deal of God in your life. It's called, it's called growing in godliness, moving toward God, moving Godward. Well, how in the world do I make a big deal of God? How do I gravitate Godward? Well, it's called spiritual disciplines. I don't like spiritual disciplines. I don't like the word discipline, right? A lot of people don't. I'm telling you, friends, you can't accomplish anything significant in your life without discipline in your life. That is true. I don't care what you say. 
We all love the Instagrammable moments. We all love the stuff that everybody wants to applaud. We all love the stuff that we get to show everybody and let them, let them celebrate us. But what people don't realize is all of the big deals are built on the back of lots of small deals. All of the moments that we celebrate are built on the moments that no one sees. So we all like to celebrate. Right now we got a lot of students graduating from, col from college and high school. And I want to tell you all, congratulations. You did it. You made it. It. You're graduating from college, but can I tell you that moment of cap and gown and walking, getting your diploma, we're all cheering, we're all celebrating. You wouldn't be standing there in that moment if you didn't force yourself to sit in some other moments, right? To push through that test, to write those papers that, that kept you up all night, to drink that Red Bull that helped you write the paper. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's the moments that no one sees. The discipline to sit in those moments that allows you to experience the, the great moments. There's not one person that ever went to the Olympics, that ever stood and received a gold, a silver, or a bronze without committing themselves to some disciplines. And I'm telling you, as it is true in the physical, it is also true in the spiritual. For your life to gravitate Godward, you've got to learn. You and I have got to get back to some disciplines that we build into our lives. You still love me. Come on. Let me show it to you in scripture. Here's what it says in Timothy. It says this. I'm just trying to make your life better. Really. In Timothy it says this. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather, train yourself. Someone say train yourself. Train your, what is it? What, what did scripture say? He said train yourself. Discipline yourself. Like structure your life in a way. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to move toward God. I love this verse. You know, it's one of my favorites. Physical health profits just a little, right? But godliness has value. You gravitating Godward has value for all things. Holding, look at the word promise. Holding promise for both the present and the life to come. Look at me. There is promise that you could be living in if you would learn to train yourself in godliness. There is still more for you that you could be walking in if you train yourself in godliness. And so we're looking at these spiritual disciplines that are outlined for us in scripture to help us train ourselves because I want you living in the promise. We all love the promise. I want the promise. I want the promise. Okay, train yourself, discipline yourself, fall Godward and everything and build these things in your life and you will live in the promises. We looked at the first one last week which was feeding our souls. I'm telling you, you know the importance of food physically, right? You need it. Some of you get all moody if you're not eating, right? You're just all frustrated. Huh? It's the same thing spiritually. You, you wonder why your, your fears are winning out. You wonder why you feel frustrated spiritually. It's often because you're malnourished and not feeding yourself spiritually. If this is the only meal you're getting through the week, it's not enough to eat once a week. You got to learn to 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 be self feeders, okay? And we looked at that last week, right? This week, I want to talk to you about the spiritual discipline, and we're going to do this in our life. We're going to learn together. You ready? Got four people ready. Online, they're going. I, I hear the crowds. Yes, amen. Everyone's ready. We're going to learn today the spiritual discipline of of prayer, okay? Of prayer. The discipline of prayer is is taught in scripture. And it's uh, practiced in the life of Jesus. And, and I want to open up your, your heart and your eyes to this, okay? Listen to what it says in, in, in Luke 5, 15 through 16. Jesus is, is praying all the time. He says, yet the news about Jesus spread through all 
spread all the more so that crowds of the people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So here's what's happening in the life of Jesus. His ministry's blowing up. There is more demand on Jesus than there's ever been. There's, there's more like press conferences. You know, everyone's calling to interview him. Fox wants him on. CNN is even considering it. You know, everybody's wanting Jesus to come and, and, and have, it, have it, like the pressure's there. And so while the world is pulling, watch this, while the world is pulling at him, what does Jesus do? Everyone wants his attention, but Jesus often, what's it say? Often, what does it mean? A lot. He did this a lot. What did he do a lot? Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place. I'm going to get to that later. Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. What did Jesus do when the demand of life was pulling at him? He often prayed. Like, they're like, Jesus, it's, you got to go. We got another. Jimmy wants you on. Fallon's asking. And he's like, where's, where's Jesus? Oh, oh. He's gone again. He's off praying again. Often withdrew. That was Jesus' mode. So much so that the disciples, remember, the disciples were, knew how to pray. They're good Jewish boys. They grew up memorizing prayers, prayers. They knew how to pray. But when they watched Jesus pray, they went, there's something different. There's a connection he's making. This is more important in his life than it is in my life. And so when they went to Jesus, said, Jesus, now they knew how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. What are they saying? Like, there's something different about the way you pray. Jesus teaches to pray. They saw a connection in the life of Jesus that they wanted to make in their own life. So here's what you need to understand as we dig into this, and I'm going to teach you how to do it, okay? First of all, you need to understand, write this down, why this is important, because prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful, friends. God wants to work in your life. God wants to work in your marriage. He wants to work in your kids. He, he wants to work in your city. He wants to work in, your, in your, your place of employment. He wants to work in your school. God wants to work. Do you know how God has ordained his work to work? Through the channel of prayer. Like God could just show up and do it. But do you know what he chooses to do? He chooses to channel his work through praying people. And you see that all over scripture, that prayer actually becomes the channel through which our lives are opened up to his work showing up. Look at what it says in, in James 5.16. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Come on, help me out. It availeth much. It gets a lot done. Okay? You're like, that's King James right there. Availeth much. Gets a lot done. Gets a lot what done? Availeth much what? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Well, I'm helping you ask that question. You need to. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much what? Availeth much work of God. It's the prayer of, a matter of fact, the context of this is Elijah uh, bringing rain down from heaven. Can I tell you right now? Elijah's not the one who brought rain down from heaven. God did it. But how did God choose to do it? Through the prayer prayed by Elijah. See, his prayer grabbed hold of the work of God in his life. And I'm telling you right now, here, let me, there are things waiting to happen in your life. Waiting to happen in your marriage, waiting to happen in your city, waiting, there are things waiting to happen that will only be realized through the channel of prayer. You're not seeing it because you're not praying it. She said, you have not. Do you know why? Because you ask not. You've got to learn that prayer is powerful, friends. And, and, and it's the channel through which you're going to see, let's call it the, the hand of God at work in your life. Okay, the hand of God. The hand of God is him, him working in this and working in that and his hand, his hand, his hand showing up. But prayer is not just powerful. Prayer is also relational. See, this isn't all just about getting God to do some stuff you need to see done on the planet. 
God to do some stuff you need to see done in your life and your marriage. And God, would you work? Would you work with your hand? This is also not just about his hand, it's about his face. Look at what it says in, in Psalm 27 8. Psalm 27 8 says, When you said, Seek my face. In other words, the psalmist is realizing that God is asking his kids to seek his what? Face. Seek my face. My heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Your face. You see, and the face of God is different than the hand of God. The hand of God is the activity of God in your life. The face of God is the presence of God in your life. It's the, something happens when you look face to face with somebody, right? There's an intimacy there. There's a, there's a presence there. There's a, there's, a, there's a moment where everything else drowns out and you're just enjoying the presence of that person. And so what God invites you to is, hey, Yes, seek my hand, but would you learn to seek my face? Like, when's the last time you just enjoyed being in the presence of God? And God says, I, I want you to learn to enjoy my presence. It's relational. And prayer, friends, is the key to that relational activity in your life, of learning to practice the presence of God and enjoy the presence of God. It's time spent enjoying developing that relationship with him. You need these moments. When's the last time you spent time in God's presence? Listen, I have a, a great relationship with my wife Tatum. And, and you know, it's based on and built on time spent. We, we, we force ourselves weekly, daily, stop, sit down, look each other in the eyes. Because we're always running around, oh, let's go. Like, look each other in the eyes, right? Like, get, that, it, there's a tension there, there's focus there. And God's saying, hey, kiddos, come on. I, I, was just, I think we're all running around. Oh, like, remember like your kids when they like are squirmy and there's like all moving around everywhere. They're like, when your kids were little and you're like, and you grab them. When you, when you grab them, what do you have to try to do? You try to get their face, look at me, right? God's not mad, he doesn't talk to you like that. But he going, he's like, hey, I think there's a lot of this lately. We're just like everywhere. And so prayer is the challenge in which we seek his hand. Thank you, God, we can seek his hand. But you also enjoy his presence. And I want to teach you to do that. So I'm going to give you two big principles. Then I'm going, to, I'm going to break the second principle down into a few other little principles. Let me give you the two big principles. The first big principle, write this down. Very, very important is this. You've got to find your place, the place of prayer. I want you and I this week to dedicate ourselves. If we haven't done it yet, we're going to find the place of prayer. You see, Matthew chapter, uh, 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 let's go back to that Mark, that, that Luke verse. Luke, in Luke, did you see it said that when Jesus went away, um, Jesus often went away. Watch this. Jesus often withdrew to what kind of a place, everybody? What's it say? It's very important. To what? A lonely place. Well, that's weird. He's all by himself. I mean, there's not anyone who's bugging him. There's not, it's just a quiet place. Okay. Watch what it says in, in, our, in our next verse. Over in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. There's something to this. There's a specific place that Jesus invited us to. Very early in the morning. That is something about the mornings. How early was it? Jesus like, I don't like the mornings. I, it's so, like, how early was it, Jesus? Well, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. That's really early. But isn't there something special about the mornings? You don't have to be at work yet. Sometimes the kids aren't even up yet. Some people say, well, God's not up yet. Yeah, he is. Jesus was up before the sun came up. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Jesus had this habit. He got up. 
He left the house. I, I love that, by the way, because see, Tatum can get up and sit there in bed and pray and do her thing. I can't. I start, I, I fall back to sleep. Jesus, he, he got up, he left the house. I love that. I get up, get a little cup of coffee, go on a walk, leave the house. He got up, he left the house, and he went off to, a, what's it say, everybody? A solitary place where he prayed. Now listen, I hear you already. I don't like being by myself. I don't like being alone. And here's what you say. It's boring. Look at me right now. What you and I need more than anything right now is a big old heavy dose of some boring. You and I need to learn to do what Jesus did. He allowed his soul to get quiet. We are so Craze addicted to, to all sorts of entertainment, our life constantly absorbing and being pushed and pulled by everything around us, that your soul is drowning in the midst of our crazy addictions. And I'm telling you, your soul is, is malnourished and dying on the inside because it's swimming in a sea of noise. And what you need more than anything right now and what our generation needs a heavy dose of more than anything right now is to learn to just be quiet. Just to be still. A solitary place where he pushed everything else out and he was just alone and let his soul breathe. You have got to find your place. I'm telling you, it's one of the most important things. It's a practice you need to build into your life. When's the last time you went 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, just alone and in some good old-fashioned quiet? And you just let everything else be pushed out. Your soul's craving it. Jesus did it all the time. Because it's in those moments that you'll start to make room for God. You know, when Jesus showed up, it says there's no room in the inn. I think it's, we got the same problem today. God's like, oh, there's just no room. There's no room in the inn. There's no room. I don't have room. I don't got room for God in my life right now because there's so much noise in my life right now. And the moment you push out the noise, you block out the noise, what you're doing, picture it this way, that when you're pushing that all away, you're bringing all of this in. You're, bring, you're making room for God in the end of your life. And I'm telling you right now, friends, you want to see God show up? You push all that away. Isn't it interesting, Elijah? Elijah is in a cave. He's, uh, he's depressed. We believe he's suicidal. He wants to take his life. Everything is falling apart all around Elijah. And God wants to work in his life. God wants to work in your life. How does God show up? Well, it tells us that... that this, there's a fire. You think, oh, i got to be in the fire. Either there's an earthquake. Maybe God's in the earthquake. There's wind. I mean, got to be in the wind. But it says God was not in the fire, and God was not in the wind, and God was not in the earthquake. But God showed up with a still, small voice. And he, watch, he whispered to Elijah. Isn't that crazy? He whispered. Why do you whisper? Because he was close. It's quiet. Calm. See, you're expecting God to, to show up in your world and just through your day. A burning bush, a fire moment. A, and you go, where's God? And how come he's not? Where's the big? And where's the? You're missing it, friends. 
Yeah, God can show up in the fire, and he can't show up in the earthquake, and he can't show up in the wind, and he, and he sometimes does. But 99.9% .9 of the time, the moment God is going to show up and speak to you is in the moment you actually are sitting still enough to hear him. When's the last time you sat quiet before God? Teach your soul quiet. Come on, teach your soul to find a place of solitude where you just block it all out. Like my, my son Elias, I talk to him about this all the time. <laughs> like his life, and I think it's the life of, of many of this generation. It's just like, it's a big, there's a soundtrack to his life. It's like always music, always something, always. And one of the things I was teaching him as he's growing up, he's got it, is dude, you gotta find a moment where you just shut it all out and just sit with God and, and listen and just enjoy him. Okay, you follow me, everybody? Let me show you one more verse on this. Watch. It says this uh, in Matthew 6, 6. Um, it says, but you, when you pray, you're going to pray, go into your room. Here's how to do it. He's giving you very specific instructions. If I need to do a very specific place, what's the place? When you have, go into your room, and when you have, what's he say? Shut the door. What does he ask you to do? Shut the door. So you went in your room. That's not good enough. Don't just go into your room. Shut the door. When you go into the room and you shut the door, pray to your father who sees in the secret place, the secret place, the place no one else sees, the, the quiet place, the isolated place, the solitary place. Watch this. And pray to your father who sees you in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you in open. God who sees you behind closed doors will begin to reward you outside those closed doors. I'm telling you right now, friends, the secret to seeing more open doors in your life is to get more doors closed in your life. That'll preach. I don't care what you say. Like, you want to see open door? Learn to close the door. What happens when you close the door? You close the door and you spend some time with God. Now, I can't go manipulate that and do that thing. And I'm not in control. And my, my you know, control freak nature can't hold on to everything. Because I'm, I'm forced to just sit here and go, God, it's, it's me. And I guess it's just you. And God's like, bingo. Now we get some stuff done. But when's the last time you've gone to that place? I'm telling you guys, daily, find this place. I don't have enough time. You make the time. Because it's this place, what happens in your heart and your soul in this place will follow you then into every place. It will, that place has the potential to anoint every other place. There's a fragrance in your life that you'll gather in that place that you'll carry into every place. If you don't go to this place, friends, you're missing out on everything God wants to do in you what God wants to show you. Some of the, my, most, my biggest moments of clarity, the best ideas I've ever had have, have always come in that moment, in those places. For me personally, like, I'll go you know, get my coffee and go into my office and I have, a, I have a rug laid out in my office that my desk sits on, but there's a large enough space where I, I'll go and actually get on my knees and, and sit there before the Lord. I'm not telling you that just so you think I'm spiritual. Partly why I'm telling you that. So you know, that you want that guy to pray, right? They think he's but I'm telling you that because there's just this, like even a posture that you can take before God. And posture in your, your heart and the way that your, your, your posture in your body and the way that your heart is. It's just humility and open and quiet before God. And I'll put a journal there and I'll, I'll just pray and write thoughts and just spend time in the presence of God. I enjoy it. It's just fun. Spending time with my, my father. He wants to meet with me. So friends, listen, you need to, you need to find the place. Now, let me give you in the moments that we have le left. Is that good, everybody, that preach? You got, you see that? You receive that? 
Find, it, find your place. Hey, can I, can I give you this really quick? Here's my challenge to you. There are so many other places that are calling your attention right now. Some of you, you get up in the morning, and, and what's the first thing you do? For a lot of you, the first thing you do is you go digital. Like, where's your phone? Where's your phone? What happened? What's happening? Did anyone text me while I was sleeping? Did anything else happen on Instagram? Did anyone, what's someone text? What you, like, and you just go digital. You go digital. Here's what we're going to do. All week. We're going to try it this week, and we're going to move on. Before we go digital, we're going to go spiritual. Amen? Before I, I'm going I'm to force myself, before I allow any of that in, I'm going to push all up. Before I go digital or anything else, I'm going to go spiritual. And I'm just going to go hang with God. I'm going to find those moments. Amen? You're going to hang with me. We'll do this. Now, you find your place. You've got to start there. If you don't have a place, this ain't going to happen. You find your place. Now what? What do I do? Let me just give you some things to think about when you go into that place to pray and you spend some time with God. This is me spending, you know, 30 years of my life, 25 years of my life just hanging with God and spending time with God. And me just going, here's a little bit of my life, okay? And, and, and principles I brought into my life in, in prayer that I hope help you. You ready? Let's take some notes. I'm going to give them to you quickly. The first one is this, is that you learn, just do this first, acknowledge his presence. Just acknowledge the presence of God. See, a lot of people, you hear people pray this, and I get the sediment. Come on, church, you're with me, where they say, like, uh, God, I pray that you'd just be with me today. I get the, I get the sediment. Or, God, would you be with them today? I get it. But here's the, here's the reality. God is with you. Look at me, everybody. God's with you. There's nowhere you can go where God is not with you. The issue is not getting God to be with you. It's getting your soul to recognize the fact that he is with you. And when you go into moments of prayer, you've got to stop and just recognize the fact that God is present. I'm, I'm in the presence of God. And something powerful happens in that moment where you allow yourself to acknowledge God's presence. Everything shifts. Your focus shifts. This is why when Jesus taught his disciples to pray after they asked, Jesus said, you, when you pray, you pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is he getting them to do? He's getting them to, to posture their prayer life in the context of a relationship with the one who's with them. Their dad tell you something happens when you realize and you, you put yourself in the right context. Out of the king right? You're, you're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the most, like you are, you are a child of the one who spoke the world into existence, who holds the universe in the palm of his hands. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. And you stop and you recognize, I'm in the presence of the one who's bigger than everything I'm facing today. He's, he's greater than, than any of the pressures I'm, I'm facing today. He conquered death. Jesus did. God, God held this the sea up for the children of Israel to, to walk through on dry land. Like, I'm in the presence of God. The God who took down the walls of Jericho. I'm in the presence of God. And my God, who's, who is big enough to part the sea and take down the walls of Jericho, is in love with me. I'm his child. See, all of a sudden, the, the more time I spend there recognizing how big he is and whose presence I'm in, the more time that the things that were stressing me out start to not stress me out so much. Because I just start to realize, I live in a different context. Look at me right now. I watch people walk through COVID. And the, da the thought, the, the dangerous thing in COVID and everything that we face, the danger in right now trying to recover from all that we face, is you, you, you forget what context you live in. I'm telling you, friends, right now, you don't live 
in the context. You are not subject to a crazy, broken world. You're not subject to the chaos and the confusion. You don't live in just the context of this world. You live in the context of God who is your father. You live in the context of even though this is all out of control, he's completely in control. You see, and I stop first and foremost and just recognize and acknowledge whose presence I'm in. Like you're in the presence of God, of, of God alone, of God in quiet. And I'm just going, God, and this is where you thank God. You thank God for who he is. You thank God for his character. God, you are holy and you're magnificent. And God, you are gracious and you are good. And you just, you just thank God, everybody. Come on, amen? So you need to so you start out by acknowledging the, the, the presence of God. Let me give you another one. Clear the air. Clear the air. Here's what I mean by this. God wants you to live in freedom every single day. And nothing will trap you more than an unclean heart. And when you're in the presence of God, make sure you clear the air. You, you get your heart clean before God. Watch what it says in Psalm 5110. It says this. It says, create in me a what? Clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Those two are, those two are connected. Look at me. They're absolutely connected. You cannot have, you cannot have a right spirit without having a clean heart. If you don't have a clean heart, you won't have a right spirit. You ever get around people who go, something just off. There's just something. You ever go through, something just off. Can I tell you what it is? It's often because they don't have a clean heart. If you don't have a clean heart, you won't have a right spirit. If you don't have a clean heart, you can't walk in victory. You can't live in the joy that Jesus promised to give you. You can't experience peace. You can't, right? You can't have what God wants you to have. You can't experience what he wants you to experience if you don't have a clean heart. Create me a clean heart of God, and that will renew a right spirit within me. The word, it, it goes on in Hebrews, and Hebrews it says, it, it tells us to come into his, his throne room he's, with sincerity of heart. It's another word for this. Do you know what the word sincere literally means? It means without wax. That clear everything up for you? What it's referring to is in that day, a, a somebody would create a sculpture out of out of clay. On the clay, would spin, and on the potter's wheel, he would create this sculpture. And they would sell these in the marketplace. And what would happen sometimes is as they're creating the culture, the 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 vase or whatever they're working on, they would go and they would they would put it in the fire. It would turn to hard clay, they paint it, and they're doing all this, and then one of the kids comes in, and they bump it, knock it over, and it cracks. Now there's a crack through the spinning. Well, here's what they do, is instead of, instead of starting all over again, what they do is, well, you know what, I'll just, we'll put it back together, we'll just piece it back together. And what they would do is they'd take, they would take wax, and they would drip it in there, and in and, and, and the little spots of the cracks, and they push everything back, and they would make it look right. Make it look whole, repaint it and everything else. And they'd go to the marketplace. Hey, who wants a vase? Want to buy a vase? And oh, oh they, just, I need that. I have, honey, wouldn't that look so good in our house? We've got to get the vase. We've got to get the vase. we got to get the vase. You get the vase. You take it home. You put the flowers in it and everything. Looks good. Everything looks right. But then they would put it outside and the sun would start to shine. Right? And as the sun would shine, the vase that just looks so right and looks so great and had all the feels about it starts to melt. And all of a sudden, everything that was trying to hold it together, that wax, would start to melt and that vase would start to crumble and fall. Why? Because it wasn't sincere. There was wax added to it. 
It wasn't whole. See, and listen, what happens in your life is if you don't get your heart clean before God, you are not living with a sincerity of heart. What happens is you try to show yourself to be one thing, but you're really another thing. And there's a big, there's a big separation between what you're pretending to be and what you actually are on the inside. And when the heat gets turned up, when the sun starts shining, when the pressures of the world start pushing in on you, you can't hold up. Why? Because there's cracks. Because you're trying to, you, there's, there's, it, there's, you're not sincere. There's not integrity. And you can't hold up under all the pressure because it's just not real. And you start to fall apart. I'm telling you, there's a confidence that comes when you're just, you just clear the air. You just get right with God. You allow him to actually make you whole, right? And friends, I'm telling you, there's a power that comes in living in sincerity and living with with integrity and living right before God. Hey, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to pretend you're not okay. Can I tell you something? You're only as sick as your secrets. And if you continue to keep secrets and hide, try to hide stuff from God, how foolish is that? He sees it already, right? And there's just something freeing about going, God, <laughs> here's my issues. God, here's my stuff. Because if you're not doing that, can I tell you what you're doing? You're you're fashioning yourself a mask and you're worried around pretending like everything's okay. There's something so freeing when you just break all the masks and say, I just am, this just is who I am. And God, I need help in this area. And you call it what it is. It's sin. It's, it's lust. It's a porn addiction. It's, it's this flirtatious thing I keep getting. It's this whatever. And you call it what it is. Call sin, sin. Get real. Stop trying to justify it. Stop trying to hide it. You just get real with yourself. I got a problem. And you get real with God. You get your heart clean. And can't, I'm telling you, there is no better place to do this than the presence of God. Why? Because he is full of truth, but he's also full of grace. There is no other place you're going to find the grace that you need than in the presence of God. So you get before God and you go, God, here's all my stuff. And God says, oh, my grace is sufficient for your stuff. Because where sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. So you get into God's presence. Acknowledge his presence. And friends, and then just get real. Get that heart clean. David prayed it all the time. What did he pray? Lord, search me, try me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Some of y'all, that is a dangerous prayer. David prayed it all the time. Why? Because he understood the importance of a, of a clean heart. Can I tell you, friends, the benefit of having a clean heart? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, it says in 2 Chronicles, throughout the whole earth to do something to show himself. Can I have the verse? To show himself strong, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I think I have it. There we go. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect, pure toward him. God is saying, I want to show up in your life. I want to show myself strong when your heart is pure toward me. Let me give you two more really quick. Acknowledge his presence. Get your heart clean. Clear the air. Next one is this, cast your cares. Cast your cares. This is where in your prayers, in your time with God, you take all the stuff you've been carrying and you cast it onto him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this, cast all your care on me. Why? Because I care for you. Look at me, what have you been carrying? What is, what is the, the burden you've been, you've been shouldering on your own? 
God is inviting you in your time of prayer, when you're spending time with him, to cast it onto him. Here's what cast means. It means you let it go. It's the same word used when the disciples took their clothes and they cast it onto the donkey, right? Here's what happened. Watch this. Very, very simple. They once were holding them, and now they're not. Cast. It is, I, I once held it, and now I don't. It's not like I once were holding it, and now I'm going to hold it a little bit. Just kind of the edge. Just kind of, no, you haven't cast yet. Casting is, uh. Here's what you got to realize about all the pressure you're carrying in life. All the problems you carry in your life. They could either be your problem or God's problem, but they can't be both his problem. You've got to decide whose problem is this. Is this my problem or is this God's problem? God says, why don't you let that be my problem? And the way that you make that transition, the way that you make, is you just got to learn to cast it. You, you roll it off your shoulders onto him. Here's what you do typically. You got an issue, something happened in your life. Come on, you do this all the time. It's like, a, like paperwork being filed on your desk. Here's a problem. You look at a problem. That's a big problem. And what you typically do is go, I don't got the bandwidth to do this. I don't know how many. This is so big. And, you're gonna, and you take that problem and you file it into this filing cabinet back in the recesses of your mind somewhere. Like, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it later. But here's the other problem. Because you got more problems. So now I got another problem. I don't got time. I got to. And pretty soon, you've been doing this for weeks. Some of you have been doing this for years. And all the, you got this filing cabinet back. You're going, Rawr! right? That's what it sounds like in my life. It's just con- like just like this mess, and it feels so frustrating because there's this all this stuff. Here's what you need to do. You get an issue thing. Here, God, why don't you? I don't. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I'm gonna. Ca- I'm gonna give it. Give it to you. Like God, <laughs> you got a problem, right? God, your kiddo. Your kiddo's got some financial issues, can you, here you go, I'm going to cast it. And anytime the enemy comes and tries to put it back on your desk, you go, oh, no, 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 I filed that with God. Do you remember that old file cabinet? We burnt that to the ground. I don't carry that anymore. It's just always, God, this is yours. Can I tell you, it's so freeing. It's so freeing. And he's inviting you to come and cast it onto him. Let it go. It is so freeing. Can I tell you, like walking through COVID, trying to figure out, you know, church, well, church is, we got 15% showing back up, 25% showing It get real heavy. It get real like, oh, my goodness, God, what is going on? But then here's what you realize. Can I tell you, like, where you just come to this place, I come to this place where I go, God, wait a second. It's not my church. Like, God, thank you that I don't have to carry all this. Like, you're allowing me to be in this, and the church is going, you got a reason, you got a purpose, and my job is to shoulder it all. And I want to just go, God, your church God, your church needs you. God, you, right? And I just keep going, it's, it's yours. It's your, you know, free. I want, like, people, how are you doing in all this? I got friends that are just like, oh, I'm just like, it's all good. Why? Because it's his. J- Jesus said that that's my church. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. I'm like, good thing it's his church. Because if I was in charge, gates of hell would be prevailing against everything right now, right? It's his church. You see, but listen, you bring that in your life. There's a freedom in it, and you need to learn to practice this. Jesus said this, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And a lot of you are very weary and very heavy laden. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Why? Because my burden is easy. And my yoke, that thing that you, those oxen would carry on their shoulders, is light. Why is it light? Because he's carrying the other half. And see, you've got to learn, friends, to cast your cares. He wants you to learn to be dependent on him in everything. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray this way. 
And he moves you into this place. He goes, uh, and give us this day our what? Daily bread. So first of all, that means that God is saying when you pray, there needs to be a day. This is a daily thing. <laughs> you need to hear that. Because some of you go, God, just bless the year. Just bless this month. God, just this, if you just, just show up somewhere in the year, that'd be great. God says, no, 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 no. I need you to learn a, a daily dependence. Isn't it funny that we think maturity is independence? And God says, no, maturity is actual, actually deep dependence on me. Give us this day, our daily. He wants you daily. Our daily what? What does he tell us to ask him for? Bread. What is bread? It's just the most basic, simple substance that you need in your life. It's just, it's the simple thing. We, we love the idea that nothing's too big for God. Come on, church, amen. Nothing's too big for God. But hey, here's what you need to understand. Nothing's too small for God. And what he's inviting you into is just talk to me about everything. That your daily bread, the smallest things in your life. I used to love when the kids were little. We would, you know, Christmas, you can't find a parking spot anywhere, right? And you're trying, and, they, and one of the, here you are frustrated up front, and you're praying like a third person. And one of the kids goes, God, I pray that you help us find a parking space. And every time, God just goes, here you go, there's no parking space. I, I kid you not, I think God is just going, I'm going to teach the kids when they're young. I'm there for the smallest of things. I mean, everything in your life, he says, you daily, you offloaded all onto me. You, you are, look at me at church, this is from the Lord, you hear this. You are carrying things that he never intended you to carry. And it is stressing you out because you're trying to do stuff on your own that God's never asked you or expects you to do on your own. You need to find yourself dependent on him daily for the smallest of things. And that transaction happens in one spot, in your quiet place. None of this happens until you get it quiet. As I tell you, if you're not in the quiet spot, here's what's gonna happen. You're going to kind of, still, I didn't quite cast it. I'm still kind of holding it a little bit. It's in the quiet place with the door shut. When the door shuts, I can't control. I can't manipulate. I can't hold. I have to let go of everything. And it's in that place where scripture says that I can actually be still and know that he is God. I become dependent in that moment. What? Be still. You know what the Hebrew word for that is when it says, be still, know that I am God over the Hebrew word is, it literally is. If you don't believe me, you look it up. Be still means to drop your hands. It means to let it go. It means just be stuck. Be still and know that I am God. There are aspects of God that you won't know until you're still. Until you come to him daily for your bread, for the basic things in life. And let me give you one last one. Friends, you cast your cares and lift your hopes. Some of you need to, you desperately need to lift your hopes right now. And when I say lift your hopes, I'm not talking about take the things you're hoping for and lift them up to God. That's important. What I'm talking about is not just lifting your hopes up to God. It's lifting the magnitude of your hopes in God. Lift the magnitude of the things that you're hoping. Lift it. Lift the lid of what you're hoping to see happen in your marriage and happen in your kids and happen in your life and happen in your future. When you're in the presence of God, you lift your hopes. They've gotten bigger, broader more magnificent 
than they were before I went to that moment with God. Because when I pray, friends, I'm telling you personally, you pray in the context of who God is. You see, I serve a God, according to Ephesians 3.20, that says he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ever ask or think or imagine, according to the power that is at work, where? Inside of me. And so when I come before God, I go, you're able to do more than I could ever even think of right now. Hey, what are you imagining for your marriage? What are you imagining for your future? What are you imagining for your ministry? What are you imagining for your church? What are you imagining for your city? What are you, what's the biggest dream you could dream? God looks at us and says, oh, that's cute. Because see, I could do a measure bit more. And we need a practice of lifting, lifting our hopes. And as I sit there in prayer, I'm just, I just go for it. Pray some, look at, I dare you to pray some dangerous prayers this week. I dare you to believe again. I dare you to hope again this is where God wants you. The Spirit of God pushes you to dream bigger. I'll end with this. It's just, if, if we followed you around this week and recorded your prayers, we're going to do this. We're going to follow you around this week. We're going to record your prayers. If we came back to church next week and we audibly prayed your, or played your prayers here for everyone to hear, listen, what would we know about your God? How convinced of how big your God is would we be? Would your prayers convince me that he's a God who's big enough to bless your meals? Right? To be with you through your day. That's good. That's good. Or would we begin to get the impression that your God is the mountain mover? That your God is the sea divider? That your God is the wall tumbler? That your God is the, is the life breather? You see, when, when I listen to your prayers... It'll tell me all I need to know about how big you think your God is. And I'm telling you right now, you need to start lifting your hopes. Pray dangerous prayers. Pray the kind of prayers that when they're answered, only God can get the credit for. That's where he wants you to live, my friends. You dream again. You believe again. And I'm telling you guys, listen. None of us could possibly imagine what our life could look like. Like you'll never experience it in any other way. What our life could look like if we would just start to do the simple things God's called us to do, the disciplines that he's called us into. Listen, this week, come on, you go spiritual before you go digital. I'll go spiritual before I go, like, before I go digital. And when you sit there before I go, find your place, block it all out, and start to practice. Practice your prayer. Practice, practice. God, I'm going to lift my hopes. And I'm telling you, something will begin to shift in your soul. In Jesus' name. Be with me, church. Amen. Amen.